0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian.
2: thing that you remember is how the game goes. If you're a competitor, you want to win. And if you don't do that, all those other things don't add up to quite the same positive experience because that's really what you always remember about. You know, how did you play in the game? How did you finish the season? And, uh, you know, I I think for our team, they've got a little bit to prove um, in terms of we thought maybe we should have had a chance to get in the playoffs and we didn't. And this will be the opportunity, even though we're missing some players who chose not to play in the game. Um, it's, it's an opportunity to show what kind of team we have because the team we're playing is a really good team. So it's, it's, and it's good that they're a good team because it gives us an opportunity to show who we are. Years ago, used to hear coaches talk about Welcome in
3: to the last show of the year. And it's going to be a good one because we got a lot to, uh, uh, preview, uh, Alabama, Kansas state, uh, the final four, uh, the college football playoffs. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're going to spend the majority of these next two hours really digging into these three games. And, uh, I have had the chance, because I am a Midwesterner, I have followed K-State for a long time. You mean back to the Michael Bishop days? Oh, but way way before then, uh, Bill Snyder... Uh, resurrected this program and did such a masterful program. K State uh, was the losingest program basically in college football history, until Bill Snyder got to the Little Apple and uh, did uh, orchestrated the 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 greatest turnaround I, I think in college football history. And even though Bill Snyder never won a national championship, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame if he's not already. Uh, I think the field's named after him. There's a statue of him outside of of the field there. And uh, his legacy is very much alive with this K-State team in uh, their resiliency. And and, and also I've followed them because their quarterback at the start of the year was Adrian Martinez, who uh, is basically in his ninth year of eligibility but he spent uh, he spent <clears throat> four years at at Nebraska, where, as you know, I'm from, and by the way, market, it, it only took three minutes for me to mention Nebraska. 12-0-3-33. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a record. but but Adrian Martinez has been waiting his entire career for this moment. Now he uh, he started uh, the first seven games at Kansas State. Got them off to a 5-1 and one start, and then he went down just one series uh, into their uh, October 22nd meeting with TCU, uh, which they ended up losing that. But uh, he was back in the lineup only after only one game, and then he went down with a more serious leg injury against Baylor on November 11th. And that's when backup Will Howard took over a quarterback for Kansas State. And he has really had a breakout season, uh, leading the, the Wildcats to a 10-3 and three record that included that very memorable 31-28 overtime victory over TCU on December 3rd in the Big 12 championship game. And as we mentioned, I thought that if Kansas State beats TCU by 14, I thought 14 was the magic number, and K-State was well on their way. Until that botched punt return, where uh, Kansas State player Momentum f- f- game changer. F- fumbled the ball, and that just it absolutely changed everything. And I, if I was going to pinpoint one play that didn't involve Alabama this season, which kept Alabama out of the playoffs, that's the play. Okay, so it's sort of it's sort of interesting because it comes full circle now because Alabama gets a chance to exact some revenge on the team that could have got them into the playoffs had they kept kind of going and really throttled uh, TCU in the Big 12 championship game. But Will Howard is a very capable player. But I think Adrian Martinez is the quarterback that Alabama should be worried about. He's a he's a dual pass he's a dual run pass threat. Uh, he's worked really hard this season on improving his passing, and he's just put up monster numbers. Early in the season, he looked like a Heisman Trophy candidate, and um, and, and and Martinez was able to return to practice a few days before Christmas, and he's going to be available. And again, um, Will uh, Will Howard is going to start. And uh, and uh, but I think Adrian Martinez is going to have the opportunity to play in this game and that the plan right now, according to uh, the K-State coaches and specifically head coach Chris Kleiman, who's done a great job. Chris Kleiman is a very, very good coach. And if memory serves, he, he was at North Dakota uh, and did a good job there. And And uh, he, I think he's destined, if he wants to leave uh, Kansas State, and Kansas State is a good job, by the way, but if he wants to leave and go somewhere else, I, I think he will have that opportunity if he desires. But Adrian Martinez, just Remember that name when you're watching this game at 11 a.m. on Saturday because he has been through a lot in his career. You know, when he was at Nebraska, he played with a broken jaw. This kid is tough. This kid is tough. And and, and he has always just wanted to play in a bowl game. And this is his first chance. And, um, and not only that, he gets – the chance to slay mighty Alabama. And don't discount that because for Kansas State, and I mentioned this yesterday, if they can somehow pull off the upset, it will be the biggest win in the history of their program because it's not just Alabama. It's Nick Saban, right? And, 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 and it's hard It's hard to express this to listeners here in in our area in in the state of alabama because it's like uh like our our friend jay barker always used to say it's like we're so close to the sun we can't really see the the brilliance of it because it's 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 just so uh, we're, we're too caught up in it but away in in the midwest Everybody just looks at Alabama just like this absolutely powerful machine that can't be taken down. And, uh, and and as long as Kansas State, I think, if they can weather the storm in the first quarter and keep this close, I give them a puncher's chance. I do, because they have some electrifying athletes on that team. I find now. it
4: very interesting that the line is seven. I actually think Alabama should be favored by more, But that's a betting line. That's Vegas. We know it's not always set on who is really, really the better team. You would think it would be like 13 or something. Yeah, I would too, especially with some of the lines we saw earlier this year. Christian Miller is with us from our Tide affiliate. Uh, Christian, first of all, hello. Uh, Good to hear your voice. And where are you headed on this game tomorrow?
5: You know, I'm obviously leading Alabama, but – you know, I, I, I'll i give Kansas State credit, you know, watching those guys. You know, they're a very balanced team. They do a lot of good stuff uh, within their system. Um, they have some good playmakers. Uh, they're going to have two quarterbacks that are that are capable of, um, you know, contributing in this game and being um, some threats. Um, you know, Lars was just mentioning Adrian Martinez, who was out with injury, but is a very talented quarterback. And um, the backup who's been playing, Will Howard, was the one that came in and led them to a Big 12 championship and uh, another tough uh, guy um, that that can throw the football well and just does some really good things within their system. Um, th- their receivers play well. You know their they're running back Deuce Vaughn is is a dynamic player, a Darren Sproles type of player. Um, but the biggest thing about him is um, he's tough for his size. He plays bigger than his size, but he also creates a lot of mismatches because you know he's a receiving threat. You know you can move this guy around, and it's a hard uh, matchup for linebackers. Um, so I, I, I'm going to give them credit. I think it's going to be a good matchup for Alabama. Um, I liked what I don't know if you guys heard Pete Golding talk, but, you know, he made some really good points in his interview. And one of those things was, you know, when you're at Alabama, you know, more than likely what you see on the field um, on game day is different than what you've seen from that team all year. You know, teams are going to throw a lot of different things at you. And that's what's what's always difficult, Um, because I even remember when I was there, we would prep off of what we've seen on film um, from games prior. Then we get on the field and these teams would come out and. Um, Different personnel, different formations, run different plays than we've ever even seen and and we didn't even prep for. So um, I expect them to kind of mix it up and do some different things that we haven't seen. And uh, I think it's going to be a good game, but I think Alabama's ready for the challenge. I think they're going to go out there and finish the season in in, in a good fashion. And um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them do that on Saturday.
4: We all know that Christian Miller has the scoop. Is Pete Golding on the sidelines for the Crimson
5: Tide in 2023? <laughs> I don't have any scoop here, Matt. But if I had to speculate, yeah, you do. I, I promise I don't. I would tell you if I did, but I, I don't have a scoop. I know, but I I, I'll say that that again. You know, so, um, contractually, he's he's set to be back here. And I again, I, I um, you know, our guest yesterday, Chris, even alluded to this. I, people don't understand that that coach saban um he he's a fan of pete golding and and rightfully so you know people you know criticize him a bunch and uh, i don't think they understand you know th- th- Pete golden is a very innovative creative guy um he knows football very well you know he came to alabama when he was a younger coach and he's just continued to learn and grow in the system and and, and learn from coach Saban and it's one of those things you can't finger point just one person. You know, you know, there's, there's so many factors that have gone into these things, and and still statistically, Alabama, if I'm not mistaken, was still a top ten defense. Now, is there some things um, we could have done better? Absolutely, and he'll be the first one to tell you that. Um, but that's part of the game. And uh, if if I had to guess, I think he still you know stays around. Um, I could be wrong. That's just you know my take on that. But um, on the other side of the ball, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill O'Brien um, is elsewhere. Maybe it's his decision. Mutual decisions, I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a change on the offensive side of the ball. But I would not be surprised if Pete Golden still on the sideline for Alabama next season.
3: Yeah, on On the other side of this break, Matt, let let's dig into the coordinators at Alabama a little bit. And let's try to forecast what what is going to happen with them, and also just how they have done this year. Uh, Let's give uh, our three analysis of uh, their performance in 2022. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Mick Gillespie will be joining
4: us, and I understand he's going to be live from the floor of so that's a great report. Uh, He is there um, kind of toasting the memory of Mike Leach. And also Gary Harris, who is, of course, on Tide, and is your sports director over on Tuscaloosa TV will be joining us. He is in New Orleans. I've been to New Orleans with Gary Harris. We'll find him at Pat O'Brien's. I'm
1: kidding. You're
4: listening to Big Noon Sports.
1: Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 129 app today.
6: Score! Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin.
5: Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic
3: is
1: terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas is.
0: Rain could be heavy tonight. Look for a little thunder, and overnight low of 59. Rain and storms in the morning, showers in the afternoon tomorrow. Rainfall could be heavy with a high of 66. I'm meteorologist Bill Mori on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Be on my wayward, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay-
5: to when you look at your career, what would you
2: say your goal is within the coaching, the coaching world?
4: I, you know, I mean, I really don't get caught up in it. I don't have it, you know. Obviously, you know, I try to be the best coach that I can, the best person I can. Uh, you know, I got into coaching to affect young men, uh, and you can do that whether you're a position coach coordinator or a head coach, you know. And I'm in no rush. I've said this before to be a head coach. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot more to that. Uh, I love game planning. I love being in the room with our guys. Uh, obviously, I got to do a better job of putting them in a better position. Uh, continue to coach them better so they can have a better product on the field. But uh, right now, I'm just worried about K-State and getting through this walkthrough tomorrow, I'll be honest with
0: you. And we have time for two
4: more. Pete Golding. He is uh, in New Orleans getting ready for the game against K-State tomorrow morning. And he's the defensive coordinator and has been. I don't see that changing. We all, I think we all agree on that uh, because it's very apparent to me. Nick Saban has the utmost trust in this guy. Nick Saban, many will agree, greatest college football coach of all time. If he has faith in this guy, why do Alabama, Alabama fans keep taking the you-know-what on him? And and by the way, there is no bigger fan of Pete Golding. Nick Saban is number one. Number two is his dad. Remember that earlier this year? Yeah. He called up Feinbaum and got hacked
3: off. I don't blame
4: him. I, I, I think he is misjudged.
3: Yeah, um, earlier this week we had Tim Brando on, who I really respect, and Brando said, according to his sources, and look, Tim has been in the business for a long, long time, almost as long and, as I have, and he he <laughs> he knows um, agents, and he specifically mentioned agents, and uh, it was his understanding that both coordinators are going to be gone. So before we get to Golding, let's just let's just analyze uh uh uh, bill o'brien here so there's been a lot of buzz about bill o'brien returning to the patriots it would make some sense because number one he's got a long-term relationship with bill belichick two the patriots really don't have an offensive coordinator their offensive coordinator is uh, mac uh it was patricia and he's done a horrible job this year. I mean, I think we all can relate to that. Ask Mac. And and, and also, Mac Jones has a really good relationship with Bill O'Brien. Right? So th- th- it seems like a reunion there would uh, absolutely make sense. But th- there's also other teams interested. Uh, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he uh, uh, O'Brien has a very close relationship with Mike Vrabel. Uh, They overlapped for two seasons in New England back in 2007-2008. And uh, they are going to be looking for a new offensive coordinator, it certainly appears. And now also enter Josh McDaniels, who is the head coach of the Raiders. And he was the Patriots offensive coordinator during O'Brien's first two years on New England staff in 2007-2008. And they are, the Raiders are going to be looking to develop a new quarterback, presumably. It's not going to be, Derek Carr is done, right? We know that. He's he's benched for these last two games. He's even left the team, for God's sakes. He, he's, he's done. Uh, so they are either going to be drafting a quarterback or bringing in a new quarterback. And I think there's a trust factor there between McDaniels and O'Brien. So I, I think it's safe to assume that Bill O'Brien is gone. And plus, he only signed a two-year deal uh, at Alabama, uh, as Christian mentioned, I think, the other day. And so his contract is expiring. And I, I, I think they, I think Nick Saban and O'Brien quarter, sort of had a, a handshake agreement that he would fulfill those two years and then move on to somewhere else. Now uh, – when it comes to Pete Golding, you know, why would you leave Alabama? I would think to become a head coach, right? He he wouldn't – there isn't really a lateral move he could make uh, being a defensive coordinator somewhere else. And so all of the – but the thing is, all of the head coaching positions have been filled in college football. So for Golding to leave – he would basically be taking a step down, I I would think. So that I the only way I, I think
4: he could really improve is somebody just offered him a lot more money to be a defensive coordinator for I don't, a, I don't, a Nebraska or wh- who is it? But I don't see that. Happening. I, 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 Why would I, you I, leave Alabama? I
3: I actually think most of the, the defensive all the all those positions have been filled as well uh on on staffs that uh have uh new staffs that have already put together uh new head coaches who have already put together their staff so i have to uh respectfully disagree with tim brando and i think pete golding will be back uh christian d- d- do you agree with uh, my, my sort of breakdown of uh of the two coordinators at alabama
5: yeah. And uh, again, on, on Pete, look, I, I, I'm i trying my best to be impartial. Um, but here's the thing. I played for Pete. I know him personally. Um, he's a player's coach, right? Every time I, I'm in the complex or at the facility, I see him. Uh, he, 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 he greets me, um, you know, with enthusiasm. He's excited to see me because um, I, I played with him. I played for him. And uh, that's how he is. He develops great relationships with his players. Guys want to go out there and play for him. They rally behind him. Um, they respect him. And like I mentioned earlier, he's a creative guy, an innovative guy. Um, he's a really smart-minded uh, coach. And Coach Saban really appreciates that about him. He also appreciates his his work ethic. You know, Pete Golden works his ass off. That guy is in the building 24-7, always looking to improve, watching tape, doing what he can um, to make the team better. And, um, again, I, I mean, look, Alabama was 13th in, in total defense, um, you know, 16th in, in passing yards allowed per game, uh, rushing, you know, 33rd that that's you know a little um you know that's an anomaly for us that's you know typically we're probably top five in russian russian defense every year but again he like he mentioned in his his press conference there's things he could do better but i I just don't see them getting rid of him just yet um i i see him still being here next year but i I agree with you i wouldn't be surprised if bill o'brien somehow finds his way back to the nfl i i kind of just get the sense that he's more of an nfl guy um which makes sense. You know, he spent so much time in the National Football League. Um, some coaches are just like that. They're more fit um, to be, you know, NFL coaches versus a college coach. Because the, den- the dynamics of, of each, you know, coaching uh, position is completely different. You know, college, you're forced to recruit guys, develop those relationships. Um, you're getting young guys and help developing them into young men versus the NFL. I mean, look, these guys are getting paid money. Uh, the GMs are going out and getting these guys in free agency. You have little say so over who you have, and uh, you know you're working with grown men who are getting paid to do this for a living. So it's a lot different. But some coaches prefer that. The, you know, the the time that you're expected to to be around the program and coaching, and you, you get a lot more of a break in the NFL, a um, little more freedom. So some guys prefer that, and I wouldn't be surprised if Bill O'Brien is one of them. And
3: it just seems like a win-win situation for O'Brien going to Foxborough because the bar is set. So low right now, because this offense, uh, the Patriots offense has looked so dysfunctional under first time offensive play caller, Matt Patricia, who's a longtime defensive guy. I I, I know I don't think that a a defensive coordinator can't jump over to the offensive side of the ball. We've seen that be successful in in different places. But if O'Brien comes in there and he suddenly transforms Mac Jones in year three. And gets that offense back on track, then he suddenly becomes what? A, coach, candidate a candidate to be a head coach in the yeah, NFL. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's it's a perfect scenario for and Bill I, O'Brien.
4: And I, I totally agree with Christian that I, he's got an NFL lean, he's got an NFL look. When he came to Boston College, then he went into the pros. And
3: was he that bad a coach? I think he was yeah. a bad manager of, of players. He did I think a good job at Penn State He did a good job at Penn State yeah. coming in after the paterno mess uh it, keeping that you know that ship sort of afloat when uh, things could have gone really, really bad um but uh I, I think he's a terrific coach i mean he he obviously was not a good general manager when uh he was given that dual title of coach and g m down at Houston with the Texans and he made some really questionable moves, including, I believe getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins and some of the other really good players, but um, yeah, I, 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 I do think and I, and I think most reporters who cover Alabama believe that this will be O'Brien's last game. But uh, I, I'm with Christian, and I'm with you, Matt. I, I think uh, I think Pete Golding is going to be at Alabama next year. I hope he's at Alabama next year. Um, Christian, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, I, I don't think Pete Golding recruited you, but isn't he known just among the players? You, know, you said he's a player's coach, but... Isn't he known as a very good recruiter?
5: Oh, absolutely. He's a great recruiter. He does a really good job developing relationships with guys early on. And he, he sticks with that, you know, through your time in the program, which is, you know, sometimes coaches recruit you hard and you develop these relationships and you get there. And then, you know, the dynamic is just – it shifts a little bit. It's not as uh, as well as it was when you were getting recruited, obviously. But he's not one of those guys. You know, he continues that, that, that tight bond with you. He's interested in your personal life, and, and he cares about his guys. And uh, a lot of guys appreciate that about him.
4: You know, by the way, flag on the host here, B.C., no, no, no! It was Penn State, Lars. Thank you for correcting. Um, you know where he went to school? College. He's from the Northeast, isn't he? You're getting closer. Did he go to BC? No. He, you should know this because he's from your league. Did he go to Columbia? He went to Brown. Ah, Brown. They're really down the hill when it comes to all the <laughs> others that are up there. The do y'all spat upon them? Of course. <laughs> I would really like to do a deep dive into the Ivy League but I'm afraid it would bore a lot Especially of people. Especially those Princeton oh. snobs, man. Yeah. They're they're a, the worst. Is that the worst in Columbia's eyes? Is is, is
3: uh they're right up there. I mean, right. hey, we're an urban campus. We're tough. We're tough. We're yeah. tough Ivy yeah. League. Look at those colors.
4: <laughs> that nothing speaks toughness like baby blue. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. All right, coming up next, Mick Gillespie on Big Noon Sports.
1: From T Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin.
5: Susan, I'm sorry, Emily. Traffic is terrible.
1: It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas is.
7: Focus uh, for me, and for this coaching staff, and for these players, is has really been uh, on these games that we're playing. You know, this game coming up, the games that we played this year, the games that we played last year. I mean, I think those things, you know, almost every year I've been in coaching, at least over the last twelve years, for me, have come up a lot. And those are things that are addressed after the season. Um, we are very focused on this game. We've been focused on every game we, we've we've played here this year and last year. So, uh, you know, like I said, these are it's kind of that time of the year when things come up and things pop up. Um, I haven't spoken to anybody in New England since probably last April, when 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 I went by and saw those guys when I was up there. So, um, you know, I wish them well in their last however many games they have left. Uh, but you know, we're very focused on 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 this game and. and Focused on coaching this team to the best of
5: our ability. Um, you mentioned not having been in contact with anybody from the Patriots. Have there been any other NFL teams that you've been in contact with? And this is obviously the last year of your contract. Is there any interest in returning for another year?
7: I, I've, I've, I have a lot of friends in the NFL, so the answer would be yes to that. I mean, I just, I, 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 talk, I have a lot of coaching friends in the NFL, so yeah, they're, are some, some of my closest friends. So. But relative to working in the NFL, no, and uh, relative to working here, I, like I said, I love it here. I love my experience here. I'm very focused on this game coming up, and then whatever conversations have, happen after this game, those will take place when they take place. But really just really um, focused on, on this game and doing as good a job as I can uh, with the players and the coaching staff to uh, you know have a productive offense on Saturday.
6: That's
4: Bill O'Brien uh, from NOLA, where uh, he is preparing Alabama, the offense, to take on K-State. That's tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock. Uh, even though it's a major bowl, it's a sugar bowl, it's a big-time game. I can't stand 11 a.m. kickoffs, especially in the SEC, because usually that notates it's not a very good game. Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter on Big Noon Sports. I think this is a first. It's not the first time we've ever gone live to a place that serves bushwhackers, but I'm pretty sure it's the first time we've ever gone live to the floor of Bama. And that's where we are going to find our very own Mick Gillespie. Mick, did you get you some of that uh, low country boil yet? Have you had yourself a cold beer? What are you doing? Merry Christmas.
6: Hey, Merry Christmas guys. I'm I'm just pre-drinking for the polar bear dip that they do here on uh, the first. Now, Look, we're, we've got the the, the the Bama Insider tailgate show coming up on uh, our YouTube channel at 2 o'clock. So we're going to preview the game. But, I mean, look, I love walking in here. Like the floor Bama, right on the beach, even a day like this with some rain coming. Just walk in. It's definitely my one of my happy places in, in the world.
4: Are you a bushwhacker guy?
6: Well, yeah, uh, I am a bushwhacker guy. Uh, I do have to warn you that the floaters, um, I didn't know about the floaters, um, and uh, they got uh, me one time when I was doing a post-game show here uh, years ago. A <laughs> uh, lesson learned. But, uh, but no, I like the Bushwhackers. Uh, Bloody Marys tomorrow. I heard you guys saying that it's yeah. early game. You just got to get the Bloody Marys going early, you know. That's, that's what Willie Nelson said to do, and I've, I've abided by that over the years.
4: Well, we should all march to the advice of one Willie Nelson. I mean, that's just basically, yeah, that should be the mantra for the show, right? Um, by the way, for those that don't know, a Bushwhacker is a specialty drink. It's a frozen drink. It is it is famous for being served at the Floribama. But it tastes like something you get out of the convenience store in one of those frosty, freezy, icy things. It's just delicious. But there's tons of alcohol in it. You just can't taste it. And then when they put the topper on top of it, uh, you know, whole nelly. Yeah,
3: it's sneak, they sneak up on
4: yeah, you. They, they really do. And and I am being very – I've seen people – the deal with bushwhackers, and we're going to go talk about football, but I think this is important. Uh, the deal with bushwhackers is a lot of people that go to the Obama are really kind of going there as rookies. You know, they've heard about it all their life, and they're probably not professional, or they're probably not experienced drinkers. (laughs) Then they get into a bushwhacker, and they say, oh, that tastes good, I'll have another.
3: No don't do it yeah and and mick did you hear uh mike leach uh, before he passed away uh him talking to an audience uh in pullman washington about his his favorite vacation spot and he mentioned the floor of bama did you did you hear that clip
6: oh yeah look when when he said that um i think that was after i had the uh incident with when the bushwhackers got me uh and so I, I heard him say that. And I always liked Mike Leach, but at that point, um, he became a legend in my book because we we kind of see things the same way. You know, I do most of the post-game shows. I, excuse me, I do most of the pre-game shows when Bama's on the road from here. I wish I did them all here. I just love it. I mean, like, I'm sitting right now looking at the water, and, you know, the, the breeze is coming through, and I heard him talk about this place and what it meant to him, and it, to think that, in our state, you know, you go from North Alabama and the mountains, you know, Sand Mountain and everything up there, Tennyson Valley, and then, you know, Birmingham, and then you come down here and you got, like, the Gulf of Mexico and the best bar in the entire world, right? I mean, it's a great place. And uh, they're actually doing, guys, they're having a watch party for Mississippi State in his honor here uh, whenever that game is. You know, so and it's going to be a sellout. I oh, mean, a ton of
3: people here celebrating Mike Leach's life and Mississippi cool. State because of that comment. That's great. That's great. I want to go.
6: Yeah, no uh, And by
4: the way, the floor of Bama has just run up a rather large tab with Big Noon Sports <laughs> because we've just given them a ten-minute <laughs> infomercial. But it's worth it. Um, and uh, so, uh, Christian, uh, before we actually talk football, have you been there? Did you like it? And I know you're not much of a drinking guy. Have you ever had a bushwhacker?
5: Uh I've been in that area. I don't think I've ever actually gone into Florida Bama. Heard a lot about it. Uh anytime I'm normally down in that area, I'm I'm looking to go deep sea fishing. That's more where my uh my mind is at is uh to hit the water and go fishing. Uh and I I don't I don't think I've had a bushwhacker. You know, when I when I did drink, I was more of just a, a beer guy. I used to drink a little uh a little Tito's here and there, have a cigar with it. Nice. Um one one more thing. I get
3: I get seasick. Have you ever gotten seasick going deep water fishing, Christian?
5: Uh, I, I, not really. I mean, sometimes you know your stomach gets a little little nauseous here and there, but nothing like bad. I've had friends <laughs> that have gotten so seasick they they didn't even fish. They just went and laid down. <laughs> so luckily, I don't have that. Yeah, that's problem. all
3: you can do is lay down and pray that you, you, would, you make you it back to your land. you're laying down on something that's still rocking. I, know. I really don't know. But, uh.
4: <laughs> The Floribama, and, and I have been, I know the Floribama. Of, of course, I grew up in Alabama. But I remember when it was a package store, you had to walk through the package store to get to the bar, and it was just one room. What it is now is nothing like what it used to be, but it was famous back then. A lot due because of uh, Joe Gilchrist brought all these great acts in, and a lot of them were unknown. But then, you know, here's Jimmy Buffett at the Floribama. Next thing you know, here's Jimmy Buffett. And come Monday, and he's writing books and doing movies and all that kind of stuff.
3: I've been, now, da- I've been down there with Taylor Hicks before when Taylor was playing, and oh. it's just crazy.
4: Well, he's perfect for the Florida. <laughs> he Bama is perfect Because <laughs> he can Flora keep Bama. up with everybody in front of him <laughs> and still play and still sound great. But they have kind of divided the Floribama now because there is the old school, and I'm assuming that's where you are. And then across the street, they now have the Floribama Yacht Club. And that's for people like my age that can't go elbow to elbow anymore. Isn't that right? And Would that be kind of your viewpoint there, Mick?
6: Yeah, look, Christian, I would take you out deep-sea fishing on the boat. Like, I, I actually come in a lot of times on Old River and, and just beach the boat on that side of things now and uh, and hang out when the weather's good. I actually did that a couple weeks ago when the Army-Navy game was, was uh, going on here. We boated down for that. But, nice. yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot more – look – they're both different, and it's a lot bigger now than it, than it used to be, no doubt about it. But it's still got that same ambiance. The other side, yeah. you know, the Yacht Club and old, the Old River Grill, like um, they didn't have those when we were kids. Well, you know, when I was a kid coming in here with a fake ID, you know, many years ago, it was, like you said, just a package store, but um, just an awesome place, man. I mean, it's still still cool. I, when you expand, a lot of times you, you lose the luster. They didn't do that here.
4: No, they didn't, and uh, I don't know how they did it, but uh, it's actually as cool as the old place was. It's better now, especially when you got three bands playing all at the same time,
3: and you can go and watch each one of them, and, and they don't interfere. Can you tell how much all of us love the Floribama, the fact uh, we just did well, a whole segment yeah. on it? Yeah, you guys uh, need uh, to come uh, down here. You, and you're going
4: to stay another, you're gonna have to stay another segment because we didn't even talk football. Can you do that? Okay,
6: yeah, I'll do it. One more. Let's do one more and talk some football this time.
4: All right, let's do
1: one more with the Bushwhacker on Big Noon Sports. From T Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
4: Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 129 app
1: today. What you've heard about probiotics is probably wrong. I eat yogurt, so I don't need to take a probiotic. Probiotics? They don't really work.
0: Rain could be heavy tonight. looking for a little thunder, and overnight low of 59. Rain and storms in the morning, showers in the afternoon tomorrow. Rainfall could be heavy with a high of 66. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Bye-bye.
3: Well, San there's the man, Francisco Jimmy Buffett. What a talented person,
4: not just do. musician. But I'm not going to go down that road. We could go on and on and talk about the Florabama and, and uh, the keg. You ever been to the keg? Never oh, <laughs> right. mind. We'll talk about this at 2 o'clock. But um, the reason we're talking Florabama is because uh, our guest, Mick Gillespie, is down there. Mick, let's cut right to it. What do you think? And, and uh, Alabama's a seven-point favorite. Let's just for the sake of lars does alabama cover
6: look i i feel confident about this game i mean I, I love that nick saban said that he's enjoyed being around this team as much as any bowl team you know that's obviously not playing for a national championship which he's done a lot uh i, I just think it just shows such dedication by the guys who could possibly have uh, opted out, including uh, Bryce Young, who some people feel like the best Alabama football player ever, to say, hey, we want to be there, and, and we want to represent you, Nick Saban, and the university. Um, I think there's a lot of momentum with the recruiting class that they just signed. And I just feel like Kansas State's going to probably run into an Alabama team that stops their run. I'm, I'm not overconfident in their ability to throw the ball on Alabama, and I think that this team – this Alabama team's probably going to play relaxed for the first time in a long time. I, I think it could be a, a, a really good day for Alabama and I, I'd be confident in, in, taking Alabama and giving up seven.
3: Mick, let's uh, go to the national uh, championship picture. Give us your breakdown first of Michigan, Texas, uh, TCU.
6: Yeah, look, I, I, I feel like Michigan, with the experience that they had last year, the momentum that they are bringing into this game, I, they, they, they custom-made this matchup for them to get to the national championship. Game. You know what I mean? Like, TCU should have been the fourth seed. But they're not, just for this. Um, TCU's kind of just floated through the season, somehow finding a way to win. They've gotten a lot of breaks. That's going to end. Michigan's run game is going to be way too much for them. Um, it, it's a business trip for... Uh, for Coach Harbaugh's team, I, I just think this one's going to. Honestly, I think both of these games are going to be blowouts, but I think this one's probably going to be uh, third, fourth quarter. Michigan just steamrolling these guys.
5: Mickey said both blowouts. Who do you have blowing out uh, in the other game between Georgia and Ohio State? Yeah,
6: look, Christian, I I, I feel like Georgia's kind of like Alabama used to be. You know, they're they're going into this game with a defense that is is going to stop Ohio State's pass. Uh, I think there'll be like a boa constrictor that just slowly cuts Ohio state in half. And by the third or fourth quarter, it'll probably look a lot like the Oregon game. I, I just feel so confident in, 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 what Kirby's doing with that team. They know how to win. You know, they beat Alabama last year, kind of got them over the hump. And, and these matchups to me, I mean, it, I, they're just not really intriguing. I mean, I guess like with CJ Stroud is a, is a really good quarterback when he's not under pressure, but he's going to be under pressure this entire game. Um, I think if there was a chance at an upset, it would probably be more Ohio State over Georgia than, uh, than TCU beating Michigan. But I, I, I'm just not confident that either of these games are going to be any good.
4: I want, to to, I want to get back to K-State and Alabama and just kind of throw a, a thought your way and, and see if you concur. Um, I don't think K-State has enough beef up front defensively to stop Alabama. Now, I think Alabama can actually, for the first time this year, run to set up the pass. If you do that, Bryce is going to just absolutely slash you. Um, that's the way I see it. Because let's keep in mind too, this is the Big Twelve; it's not the SEC.
6: Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of, I, 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 just don't know yet. You know, I mean, I want to kind of see how this thing turns out. I, you know, I watched the Arkansas Kansas State game, uh, Kansas game the other day. You know, and Arkansas is killing them. And then all of a sudden I turn around and they're in overtime, you know. So I would expect Alabama to be able to go out there, like you said, and, and, and physically impose their will on both sides uh, of the line of scrimmage. The one thing that Alabama didn't do this year that I think cost them the most, and, and I'd say the second thing would probably be Bill O'Brien and, and maybe being a little bit, you know, conservative with the game plans and stuff. But the, the number one thing is that the defense didn't get turnover you know and and I, that could change in this game tomorrow uh big time i mean I, I if alabama got some turnovers in the game then uh i i think kansas state would be in big trouble uh that's the first thing but last year they you know when alabama played cincinnati you know it was exactly like you just said like they just went into that game and leaned on them and they, they couldn't really do anything about it uh so that could be the case in this game as well um yeah, I mean, I I could see that happening.
3: Mick, uh, next year, who will be Alabama's offensive coordinator and Alabama's defensive coordinator and quarterback? <laughs> and yeah. quarterback, yes.
6: Man, if I knew, well, I, I'll say this: Pete Golding will be Alabama's defensive coordinator. That's that's I'm pretty confident in, in that, right? Uh, I don't think Bill O'Brien will be the offensive coordinator. I think that this is his last game. I I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't end up in the NFL, probably back with the Patriots. Um, But I'm not sure. You know, maybe TCU's offensive coordinator. um, You know, Riley, who's done a really good job there. Um, You know, maybe you go out and you get somebody like Joe Brady, who's been in the NFL, and you bring him back in. He was the offensive coordinator for LSU when they won the championship in 2019. You know, I, I'm not sure, but I mean, they need to get somebody that's younger and and that, you know, kind of more with the way that the offense runs these days. And as far as quarterback goes, that's a, that's the million dollar question right there. It Could be somebody that's not even on this roster, I and mean, that might just blow everybody's mind. But if you said, hey, if I was handicapping it, I, I would say Jalen Milroe will probably be somebody that does more than just throw the football. Because he is so talented, and that, uh, and that I I could see Todd being the, the quarterback next year because his ability to throw the deep ball, something that you got to be able to do to win a national championship, in college football.
4: Oh, Mick! Early spring, Lars, Christian, Matt, all headed down. Gonna jump on the boat. All right,
6: let's go. I mean, I'm ready. Let's. I, and except for the really bad storm that we're about to get hit with right now, but. <laughs> Yeah. I'd love to go
5: fishing. Let's go get Not, some snapper, <laughs> catch some tuna. Let's do oh, it all. There we go. Now we're talking. Wow, there we that go. sounds fun. All right, we'll have to get Lars a steak. He's from the Midwest.
6: All right, back with
5: another hour of
4: Big news for.
2: If you like burritos, which you do because everyone does, you should try Taco Bell's Chipotle Ranch and Salsa Verde Grilled Chicken Burritos. These masterpieces start with a warm flour tortilla that we stuff with grilled
1: chicken. But the- Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller.
4: All right, welcome back into the show, hour number two of Big Noon Sports. You got Lars Anderson coming up. We've got, uh, of course, you got Christian Miller. Didn't mean to just fly right by that, (laughs) but uh, Gary Harris, who is uh, on Tide, our affiliate flagship station over in Tuscaloosa, Uh, and also he is a sports director for a television station in Tuscaloosa. You ever been to their studios? Just, just okay. And I have been kind of jumping on. It's cool. It's at Bryant Denny. I mean.
3: I mean, a yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, doing, a part of the digital media center. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. It, it's state of the art. It's, um, I spent a lot of time over there. And you, you should know since uh, you're on the staff there. Okay, so I, I want to deviate from college football just for a second. No, and uh, and I want to ask you guys your favorite Tiger Woods memory. And uh, I bring this up because Tiger Woods turns forty-seven today. And And just I want to read some of the most ridiculous encore statistics I have ever heard. Okay, so best scored a par in majors between 1997 and 2009. And this is a minimum of 70 rounds. Tiger Woods was minus 134. The next best was Phil Mickelson plus 99. Huh? The next best was Ernie Els plus 118. Phil was the only player uh, Phil was the only player to be within 250 strokes of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is the only player since 1950 to win the same PGA Tour event 4 years in a row. And he's done it twice, uh, at Bay Hill from 2000 to 2003, and then the uh, Buick Invitational 2005 to 08. This is amazing for all of us who play golf. From 2004 to 2006, Tiger Woods had 1,466 putts from 3 feet and in measured by shot link. Guess how many he missed. 1466 putts from 3 feet and in. 3. You got it. Well, you know, I'm a Tiger Woods' fishing know everybody three. knows that. He missed 3. And then I think this is the most dominant span in the history of golf. From 2 uh from the 1999 PGA through the 2001 Masters, Tiger Woods finishes in the majors was win fifth. Win, 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 win. In that span, he had five major wins, and only four players finished ahead of him combined. Combined. Most strokes gained total in that span, right, that dominant stretch. Tiger Woods, 115.7. David Duvall's next best at 56.5. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, Tiger Woods has the PGA Tours record for most consecutive cuts made at 142. You know what the longest active streak is? Uh, See, you're asking me about another player. John Rahm. John, I I like him. At 19. Wow. (laughs) Okay. And uh, so... uh, uh, before I ask Christian about tiger i'll i'll just I'll share my memory, and that is just watching Tiger Woods um, play golf with my dad uh, at Augusta. It was sort of a a ritual that we had. uh we would always try to be together for that, and just some of the most special memories I have were with my father. Uh, and just watching Tiger, and and just and breaking him, and my dad breaking things down. My dad was a scratch golfer, and the last time I spent with my dad, uh, last time I saw him, last time I spoke to him, we were on the golf course together. And uh, Matt, I've told you this story that uh, uh, we were in a, a a mountain course in in North Carolina, and um, and my dad. You know he wasn't feeling great. I never suspected he was about ready to pass away, but at, my dad was sort of acting as my my coach, and I ended up shooting the best round of my life, shot a seventy six, and uh, never forget just on eighteen, after I hit about a seventeen foot putt, uh, dad sort of struggles to get out of uh, out of the golf cart and just gives me a big hug on the green, and he was just like. Uh, he told me he loved me, and he's like, man, you channeled your Tiger Woods today. It was just, you know, it's just things like that. And that's the beauty of golf is, is I think, the bringing of uh, fathers and sons and fathers and daughters and mothers and daughters, mothers and sons. It's all about family. It brings people together.
4: It brings a lot of business together, too. It does. Some of the biggest deals in, yeah. in corporate history yes. have been made on the 16th yeah. hole. It's a par three, and you're having to sit there and wait. Christian, for your
5: shot.
3: You're, do you, do you have a, a Tiger Woods memory?
5: Um, not in person like that. I think that's really cool. Um, but just watching him win that Masters in 2019, um, I think myself along with everybody else in the country that was tuned in. I mean, he's just so iconic that I remember there was guys that you know other athletes that I know from you know football and, and whatnot that don't even watch golf have <laughs> have no clue about golf. But they just wanted tiger to win that event and to see him do that and accomplish that almost like uh just like a beautiful comeback story you know from everything that he had been through um and at that age to to accomplish something like that which is unprecedented and um it was just so cool to watch and i just remember when he won that masters i i was even jumping up and down like i just won just because growing up you know i've always looked up to tiger and um just like so many others and um I think he's just a, another pioneer of that sport, and he was—he's basically the the Michael Jordan of golf for my generation. Um, so just just watching him is always um, just so special, and um, I, I still watch him. You know, I, I watched the uh, the event he did with his son um, last—I think it was last week or the week prior—and um, just yeah. always always fun their to watch. Mannerisms I mean. are, oh, are, their mannerisms weird. are exactly, exactly the same. Yeah, but yeah. you know
4: what? Have you watched you and Lincoln? Uh, you know, that that's pretty common, but I, I guess it's because we've seen so much of it and, and we are acutely aware of the father-son and, and Tiger and all that. It's a cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. But um, Tiger Woods, you absolutely just eagled 13 in Augusta with what you said. And I think it is the most significant thing. You can take all the statistics, which, by the way, nice homework. <laughs> you can take all of that, put it aside. Tiger Woods brought more people to golf than Arnie, than Jack, than anybody in the history of the game. And for that, he should always be recognized. And every time a player tees it up at a tournament, they should, before the first hole, I should say, thank you, Tiger. Because the purpose, the purses, have grown
3: exponentially since when? Since Tiger started winning. Really, uh, when he won that first Masters by, what, 18, 19 strokes? I was going to
4: give you that as, as my personal memory. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Well, in, in, in
3: 97,
4: uh, and I will throw this out there because they're the ones. Coca-Cola took me over there on one of their private planes. It's one of the coolest moments I've ever had in my life. But we went for the second, for the third round, Saturday round, in 97. And he was in the final group with Colin Montgomery. You remember? Yeah. And, you know, Colin's not very well-liked, you know, Um, them Yanks and Yanks and all that kind of stuff. And they teed off in the first hole, and Montgomery's a long guy. Tiger Woods out drove him, like, 40 yards. Then he knocked it stiff, and then he went on to win, and I I guess I could look it up. What, he win by 11, 12 strokes? He just blew the field away. And that was that was a cool moment. The other thing that I'll remember, and again, this goes back to Tiger Woods' influence on the game and sports in general. I remember watching him on the Johnny Carson show when he was
3: two. Do y'all remember that? Oh yeah, had and, the little and, plastic
4: and he, putter and yep. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was it was very cool.
3: And uh, yeah, uh, Tiger. That was his first major in 1997, and he won uh, by twelve uh over uh Tom Kite and it's still that margin of victory is still the largest in uh the tournament's history. So I, I just wanted to, you know, recognize Tiger Woods and his forty seventh birthday and man, I hope he can summon the magic one more time, and you know, just uh, give us that uh, moment of summer of his youth, uh, and 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 make one more charge in a major. I know it's a long shot. He has trouble even walking uh, for a full four rounds because of the car accident, and and uh, you know, he's he's lucky to be alive, frankly. But uh, it, it's amazing that uh the turnaround he has made just in terms of public perception public feeling about him and that just shows you in this country we love second chances and third chances and, and uh, in his it,
4: case he's 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 not in double digits but it's not at zero or one but uh America loves Tiger Woods for the most part yeah um i do right. Oh, well, I know you do. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan, but I I will always be a Jack
3: and Arnie guy. You know why? It's my generation. You know. Hey, my dad was a part of Arnie's army. He, he when my dad was serving in Japan uh, in the Navy, uh, he followed Arnie around for uh, four four full rounds. Alabama's
4: getting ready to play K State, and the two semifinals are, are tomorrow. And we're talking golf in Alabama, but I think this is good content. And before we go to break, I want to tell you a really quick Arnold Palmer story. Okay? 84, they're playing the PGA at Shoal Creek. I'm out there, and I and I hadn't been in the business but a couple of years. And I'm sitting in, like, the media area right there beside the clubhouse at Shoal Creek. And, first of all, I'm just in awe of everything. The course, uh, the caddies, the caddy shacks. I mean, I'm covering a major. I'm 24 years old. Pretty cool. So, Actually, I think I was a little older than that. But anyway, I see a Cadillac pull up in the in the player slash media lot. Big blue caddy. Who gets out? Arnie. What was his famous caddy's name? Big guy? I forget. Uh, anyway, um, he's not with him. Arnie just gets out like he's, you know, every day he's going to Walmart. You know, he just gets out of the car, pops a trunk, gets back. And I said, David, the photographer. That's Arnold, and I don't care what happens. We're going to go down there. And uh, he was opening up his trunk and he was getting his bag out. And then suddenly he was shutting the trunk. And then there we are. And I said, Mr. Palmer, I'm sorry to interrupt you. And if you need to get to the practice team, I certainly understand. But could you just give us a couple of minutes? And he looked and he did something to his bag real quick. And I thought he was, I thought he was, uh, he was kind of in, in disgust. He turned around. And he said, what's your name? And I said, Matt Coulter, he says, Matt, I got all time in the world. Fire
3: away. Wow. Arnold Palmer. One of my big regrets in life is never having the drink Arnold Palmer with Arnold Palmer. I've never had an Arnold Palmer. I've tasted them. I didn't like it.
4: I either like tea or lemonade. Don't give me both. All right. All right. Uh, Hey, Gary Harris from WVUATV23 in Tuscaloosa is next live from New Orleans.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
7: Want to know what's going
4: on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 129 app today. Score! Oh, oh,
1: oh, O'Reilly!
4: Protect your engine
0: against sludge and wear with a synthetic oil change. O'Reilly Auto Parts has five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil for... Rain could be heavy tonight. Look for a little thunder, and overnight low of 59. Rain and storms in the morning, showers in the afternoon tomorrow. Rainfall could be heavy with a high of 66. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: On big news sports, and again, uh, we're going to get to this after we are joined by Gary Harris. But we got to go into a little uh, reflection of 2022. But right now, earlier in the show, we went live to the floor of Bama with Mick Gillespie. So we're now going live to NOLA with Gary Harris. Who um, I don't know where where are you? Are you at Pat O'Brien's? Hey, Gary, how are you? <laughs> hey, I'm
2: okay, Matt. I'm uh, I'm actually uh, in the just outside the media workroom at the New Orleans, Sheridan Hotel, and, and let me just say this off the top because you know Matt from your TV days, and I know Kristen is a player, certainly has a different focus when he's at a game, and, and Lars probably can appreciate this too. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm having fun. But so many people are texting me, oh, man, are you doing this, are you doing that? Matt, as you know, when you're down here covering uh, a bowl game or football playoff for a television station, I have really, to be honest with you, other than do live shots, I haven't left the hotel. I mean, it's it, you know I've been live at five and six and ten every day. I've done my radio show two hours every morning. And last night they had the media party, and I didn't even get to go to that because you know I had to be live at ten. So it's uh, now don't get me wrong, I'm having fun and I'm not complaining. It's not like that. But you know I'm I'm constantly getting shows ready because they got me doing live hits in the news as well. And I'm eating in the hospitality room at the hotel. And and so hey, when I when I when I want to have fun in New Orleans, I come when it's not connected to a to a football yeah. game. I can tell you that. <laughs> Uh,
4: Gary, a quick, quick story because you were there in '92 and Alabama was playing Miami. You know, and, right. and the the worst critics of you going on the road, going to a bowl game, whatever, is your spouse. Oh, y'all just go and eat on company and per diems and all that, stay in nice hotels. Well, I took my wife. Okay, she ended up holding an umbrella over me and Jay Barker at Jackson Square while it misted, so we could get our live shot in.
2: She never went on another trip. With <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's hey, not. God, Gary. When you're on a work trip, it's it's not the way people perceive it. I can tell you that.
4: No, no it is not glamorous. <laughs> uh, now it's cool, and, and you know I always tell people I hey, I get paid to go to football games.
2: That part of it, that's you right. Can, yeah, like I said, you, I you I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining. Let yeah. me be clear on that. I'm I'm not complaining, but I haven't had it. A- you know, hit the Commanders Palace or Brennan's or, or Mulats or any of those restaurants. Like I said, I've been eating, I've been eating cold cuts and whatever jambalaya, whatever they put out in the media room. But it's, but it's good. And hey, we're here yep. for the game. And 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 you know that. And this morning we had the final pre-game media functions. We had the two head coaches press conferences this morning. Wednesday we had the uh, Alabama offense and the Kansas State defense. Yesterday we had the Kansas State offense. And the Alabama defense. So right now we've got a parade this afternoon if they're able to hold it. I woke up. To, I got up to at seven o'clock this morning. And it was raining cats and dogs, uh, so they pushed the parade back from two thirty to three. But hopefully we'll get that in. And then we've got uh, a little story lined up with a kid out of Hillcrest High School that signed with Kansas State, and so he's down here to uh, watch them prepare and practice for the bowl game. But uh, we're ready, you know, ready for the game to be played tomorrow.
3: Gary, give us your uh, analysis of how you think uh things are gonna go down tomorrow.
2: Yeah, Lars, the thing that I've been focused on since I've been here is we've heard so much about the opt ins. And and I get it. I mean, it's a great look for Alabama when you're not in the playoff and all your guys are still playing other than the ones that went the portal and you got a team like Tennessee that's in its first um, you know, New Year's Day six bowl game in years and they got, you know, high and those guys opting out so i think it's a great visual for alabama and the perception of the program and why it's different and all that but opting in is one thing are you all in are you buying it and that's what i was curious about when i met with players on on wednesday and, and thursday yeah we're here we're playing in the game but are you really here and playing in the game because you want to finish this thing off and you want to you want to make a statement for alabama or are you doing it because you feel like it is a good visual and it is a good look for the program? And I'll tell you this: my my perception is that this team is all in; that they are bought in. Nobody twisted their arm. Uh, you know, there was going to be no criticism of, of Bryce Young or Will Anderson Jr. or Jordan Battle or or Brian Branch or Emil Echior or any of those guys. Had they opted out, Alabama was just going to come play with who they who they had on the team. But those guys opted in because they did want to play, and they do want to win. And I do think they want to make a statement. I I get the sense that they want to say, hey, we're not in the playoffs, but you better believe we're one of the four best teams in the country, and we want to prove that on on Saturday. And they're going to get a chance, because I tell you what, I guarantee you this Kansas State team's all in. I mean, they, they see this for what it is. This is an opportunity for a football program that does not have a lot of tradition, that has never played in the Sugar Bowl, that has never faced Alabama, to get an opportunity to do what some others have done, and that's take a bite out of the Crimson Tide. So I think you've got two highly motivated football teams. All of the players are here because they're excited for this opportunity. I think we're going to see a good game come off.
5: Gary, you mentioned the opt-ins, and uh, I know you might not necessarily know this, but what does it seem like the consensus is? Does it does it feel like Bryce Young and Will Anderson, those guys, are going to play the entirety of the game and and really just uh, not focus on anything but winning that game, or do you imagine they might be on a snap count potentially, just you know, playing a certain number of plays? What, what are your thoughts on that,
2: Kristen, My impression is that they're here to play the game. Period. You know, no worry about. Yeah, you know, uh, snap counts and how many plays are we going to run? And, you know, Bryce isn't worried about getting the quarterback behind him Any the experience. I think they're here to play the game and win the game. And now if something happens, you know, in the fourth quarter, if it's a 30 point margin or whatever, the game's decided, then sure. I don't think you'll see them in there, but outside of that, they're here to play the game. And, and I'm not surprised having covered this team. I, when a lot of people, as soon as, as the season was over, was saying, well, that's, you know, we'll, we won't see Bryce Young again. We won't see Will Anderson Jr. again. We won't see uh, Jordan Battle again. I, I thought to myself, not so fast. Uh, because to me, uh, you know, once, once – I, I guess there was an outside shot, but let's be honest. Once they lost to LSU, Alabama did. And once LSU beat Arkansas – we knew pretty much this team probably wasn't going to the playoffs. You know, it would have been easy for Bryce Young to say, hey, coach, I'm sitting out the rest of the season, man. I'm not going to play against Austin P. am not going to risk it against Austin P and even in the Iron Bowl. You know, but they played those games and they want to play in this game and they want to win. Football players want to play football. That, that's the thing I get. I get, I'm not going to say disgusted, but I get frustrated when I hear media people like myself say, well, they shouldn't play in the game. Stupid to play in the game. They've got nothing. They've got nothing to prove. They got nothing to gain. Yeah, they, they do. They're football players. They want to play. They want to win. They want to finish off this season. And say what you want. And I'm you know I'm no draft analyst, and I'm certainly not an NFL personnel person. But if I'm evaluating somebody, and let's say on my my slot, I've got this player from Alabama and this guy from another school, and everything's pretty much equal, and the kid from Alabama played in the bowl game, and the kid from that school didn't, I'm gonna say I'm taking the kid from Alabama. Football's more important to him. So. I don't get I don't get the impression at all. Like I said, that this is for appearances. That they just want to be there, run out on the field, you know, get a few plays in, now get us out. I, I think they're invested. I think they're here to win the game, and I, I expect them to play the majority of the game.
3: Gary, what uh, something you just said earlier really resonated in that uh, this game means everything to Kansas State. I mean, Absolutely. if they can somehow pull off the upset, it will be the biggest win in school history and uh have one have you noticed it, it the confidence level what what is the confidence level of the Kansas State players and coaches that you've been around and two, let's look at this from Kansas State's perspective. what is their pathway to pulling off the upset?
2: well, first part of that um you're right, Lars. It does mean everything to them. And, and there's an acknowledgment on their part from the players and from Chris Kleiman that, hey, we know what we're going up against. We know who Alabama is. We know that that's the gold standard for college football. We understand the opportunity. We respect them. Uh, we understand we don't have a roster full of you know, Alabama's four and five stars. They may have three or four four stars in their entire roster. But the but being we're a good football team, we know it. Uh, we're not going to buy into the hype. And, and I, I do think that sometimes we're guilty in our part of the country of thinking, um, you know, the SEC, and I'm not saying the SEC is not the best conference. I think year in and year out it is. But I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking, well, they don't play good football elsewhere. And and that's not the truth. You know, these bowl games, will, I know they're not the only barometer, but, you know, they play good football in the Big 12. They play good football in the Pac-12, Big 10, the ACC. And I think Kansas State feels like, you know, the, the schedule that we've played, the teams that we've played, DCU, Texas, Uh, that we can compete with Alabama. So they understand this is an opportunity that if they cash in on it, raises their profile. And as you said, Lars, I do think would be the biggest win probably in school history, Um, but they're not in awe of Alabama. They're not intimidated by Alabama. I think they feel like even if Alabama plays well, that if we play well, we'll have a chance to win the game. So I I, I see them as a confident down-to-earth team. They're not, you know, Chris Kleiman, for example, he knows – who he is and who Nick Saban is. And to this morning, he, you know, he made it clear what Alabama's program is. You know, this was a guy that was at, you know, Division One AA uh, North Dakota State, and for the most part has spent his entire coaching career at smaller or less than FBS programs until he got the head job at, at Kansas State. And uh, he realizes that. But I've sensed that they just feel like we don't have to do anything special. We just gotta be Kansas State. We gotta play well in the game. And if we do that, we'll have a chance to win. And I think they're right. I think they're a really quality team. I think Now, if you're asking me best versus best, if Alabama plays its best and Kansas State plays its best, I think Alabama wins the game. But if Alabama doesn't play its best and Kansas State brings its best, I think they could certainly pull the upset.
5: Gary, we discussed earlier about the two coordinators for Alabama football. What are your thoughts on the coordinators? Do you feel that both will be here next year, one will be here next year? What are your thoughts?
2: Well, pretty much uh, O'Brien got asked point blank if he was going to be back, and he said, you know, he's enjoyed his time in Alabama. He's got friends in the NFL. He certainly talks with those people, but right now, you know, he's the offensive coordinator at Alabama, and he doesn't have anything else lined up. He said if those conversations will come, they'll come after the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Golding this morning uh, or yesterday did not get asked exactly that question, but he did get asked about job performance, and he says he thinks he can always you know, do a better job. You can always put your players in a better position to be successful. Now, to answer your question, Christian, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, I haven't had anybody tell me anything from inside that building that one or both won't be back. My feeling is just following, you know, the season and reading the tea leaves that I I think Coach O'Brien is going to move on of his own, you know, decision-making process. I, I think that he... Uh, my guess is he won't be back. And I think he's done a good job. I'm not in that. I'm not in that camp that, you know, hates on Bill O'Brien. I don't get it. I think he's done a really good job here. Sure. Pete Golding, um, you know, I just don't know. I mean, I, 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 I get the impression that he would like to remain here at Alabama. And um, certainly, you know, he's viewed a certain way outside of the, the complex, but clearly Nick Saban has confidence in him. Uh, he's and I'm not trying to avoid your question. I just I just really can't answer it. I, I don't know is my answer, but my guess is that both of them won't be back. One one or both will be gone. And it's just me just kind of, like I said, reading the tea leaves.
4: Great stuff, as always, Gary. We will be watching this afternoon and tonight. Thank you, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Gary. Thank
3: you, Gary. All right.
4: Uh, there you have it. Gary Harris, who is on Tide from 9 to 11 each Monday through Friday. And he is also the sports director, sports anchor, and uh, chief cook and bottle washer. Remember that statement? You ever I heard don't. that? You've never heard chief cook and bottle washer? It means you do everything. You've never heard that. I guess it's not a Nebraska thing. I, I got to write that down so I can put it in my Christian. book. Have you ever heard that phrase?
5: I don't think so.
4: Uh, Stay out of my yard, (laughs) y'all. We'll be back with Big Noon Sports.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, car
4: Back on Big Noon Sports, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, Josh and Joe, and all of our friends at Tide and Crawford are with us as well. It's the last show of the year. I think there's some significance there. But big game tomorrow. Christian, Lars and I are going to kind of rapid fire at you here, okay? And and just get you to break down some X's and O's here. Um, And I'll follow by asking the the question we did to Gary. What does K-State have to do, or maybe it's what Alabama... Does in a turnover department. What do they have to do win this game?
5: Well, I'll say uh, you know, up front, first and foremost, you know, whoever controls the line of scrimmage is going to have uh, a better chance at winning the football game. That being said, I think Alabama needs to go out there and dominate the line of scrimmage. You know, we saw the offensive line, I wouldn't necessarily say struggle early on, but they just didn't perform up to the standard that we're used to seeing. Um and obviously that did improve throughout the course of the year. Um they got a lot more physical as the year went on. Um, Wolfie did a good job getting those guys ready to go, playing more physical, getting more push, which uh, in turn developed the run game. And we all know when you have a strong run game, it sets up your pass game. And when you have a quarterback like Bryce Young, he can slash that defense up and, and pick them apart. So I think Alabama needs, needs to do a good job running the football, You know, establishing um, that dominance, imposing their will, and uh, playing to that standard on offense and on the defensive side of the football same thing, they need to stop the run. They need to do a, a good job containing Deuce Vaughn, who's a very effective player, a uh, very dynamic guy, um, who uh, can create a lot of uh, mismatches um, for your defense. So I think stopping him and uh, stopping those two quarterbacks, whichever one you know, that Will Howard's going to start, but uh, would not be surprised if we see Adrian Martinez as well. Um, guys that can also extend plays with their legs, so got to do a good job of containing that threat. And, uh, and just ultimately, you know, win the turnover battle. That's one thing Alabama struggled with this year. Um, uh, was forcing turnovers on defense. Didn't necessarily give away too many turnovers. Um, we, we definitely had some, but wasn't uh, too bad offensively. But uh, on defense, just didn't force enough turnovers. Um, you know, you look back at years past, like 2016, where it seemed like we were forcing a turnover or scoring on defense nearly every game, and uh, that ultimately helps you win. You know, your winning percentage goes up um, exponentially when, when you force that amount of turnover. So that's that's my, my uh, outlook on the game, and uh, I think Alabama is more than capable of accomplishing that. I think they will accomplish that. Um, I, I do feel K-State uh, K- will give them a good challenge. However, I think ultimately the Crimson Tide will come out on top.
3: Christian, with an eye toward next year, are there can you pick one player on offense one player on defense that you are really going to be paying attention to to see if they elevate their game a little bit. And on offense, I'm, I, I'm thinking the wide receiver position, but I, I, I want you just to c- kind of go with what, what you think. Uh, again, one player on offense, one player on defense uh, that you will be looking at to see how they perform uh, as, uh, as, as they move forward uh, to next season.
5: You know, Lars, that's a great question. I don't think I can just pick out one guy. I mean, I probably could just to answer your question. But if I'm being totally honest, I want to call out the whole offensive line um, as well as the receiver group um, just to kind of see um, their improvements. And I think uh, ultimately the offensive line will see um, dramatic improvement. You know, they went and recruited a a big physical offensive line class. They average around 6'6", 330 pounds in stature. Um, So that's a start. Um, ultimately, they'll have to get in the program, learn the system, and develop um, on the field as well. But they, they went out and got the guys that they needed. So I'll be looking forward to seeing that whole group improve. You know, you got um, Jermaine Burton and uh, uh, what's the other receiver? I can't think of his name right now. Coming back, uh, Jacory J- J- yeah, uh, J- 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 Brooks. Harold. Yeah, Jacory Brooks. Yeah, Jacory Brooks and Jermaine Burton both coming back. Um, So you have two leaders and those guys with experience, but I'll be looking for some younger guys to step up. Um, I know we lost some receivers, but uh, we have some some good um, guys in this recruiting class that that are coming in. And we also have several guys um, in the program that should also step up. So those two positions um, or position groups are are, are what I'll be looking at, not necessarily um, someone specifically Um, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, if I named one person, I would say Deontay Lawson. Um, you know, you got Henry Toto leaving in the draft. Jalen Moody is a senior, he'll be leaving as well. We saw Deontay Lawson step up at that wheel linebacker position this year and did a phenomenal job when he was in the game. Dealt with some injuries later on in the season. Um, but, you know, a lot of a lot of high expectations for him. Um, you know, everybody in the program speaks very highly of him. You know, he's a very athletic guy, um, strong kid that can can move well, has good range, can drop in coverage. Um, so I'm excited to see him step up and, and hopefully take on that new leadership role that that they'll look uh, look look at him to do um, as a you know as a veteran guy next uh, next year. And uh, hopefully he can do that because, again, you know, your middle linebacker is your quarterback of your defense. He's the one that is setting everything up. He's commanding everybody, getting them lined up in position and telling them the checks, getting the calls from the sideline. He's, he's ult- the ultimate commander-in-chief out there. So um, it's critical and vital to have a guy in the middle that can do all those things, and I think he's more than capable of doing it, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him do it next season.
3: Christian, without naming any names, when it comes to five-star players in general coming to Alabama, is there a common theme as to why certain guys just don't work out? Or is it I know every everybody's different, but just based on your experience and your observations, is there a reason why some guys come in who are really highly touted but for whatever reason they don't reach their potential?
5: 100% it's everything between the eyes. Um, It's 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 the mindset their mentality Um, are they able to come in look they have the physical ability They have the talent. They wouldn't be um, scouted so uh, highly if they didn't Um, But do they have the the right mentality and the right mindset? Are they willing to go in there and work every single day look Alabama is not meant for everybody all right? Alabama is a is a hard-nosed program built on unparalleled discipline, right? This is it's it's not a cakewalk and not Everybody's built for that. So some guys get in the program and, and it's not what they expect and. They just expect to be able just to go out there and play right away, and then just be put on the field and think they'll have this immense success um, without putting in work. But that's not how it works at Alabama. You know, it, it's um, all about discipline and doing your job. You have to learn to be a team player, and um, and, and ultimately, that's normally um, what deciphers if those guys will be successful or not is, is their mentality, and uh, and if they're able to pick up the playbook, um, you know, quick enough. You know, some guys get in there and. They had all the talent in the world, but they just struggled to pick up the playbook and and to learn the system and not only learn the plays, but just understand. You have to have a true understanding of your role in this system, right? It's not just, oh, I know what to do on this play. You have to know what other guys are doing that way. You know how you fit in the system, you know where you need to be and how to adjust and how to play off of one another. So. Those are the things that are important and that uh, give you a fighting chance to be successful. And, and when I say su- successful, I'm not saying every five star is going to translate to a first round draft pick. They don't always work out like that. But I- in order to reach your full potential, you got to be willing to put the work in. You got to be be willing to grind it out you know, and know that things won't come easy. But just continue to put your head down and work and know that as long as you trust the process, everything will work out in your favor And then.
4: We got to get the panels predictions for tomorrow and we will do that in just a moment on Big Noon Sports.
1: Covering SEC Sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
7: Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide?
4: Download the Tide 129 app today. <laughs> Road tripping, business travel, or bringing your car in for repairs. All great reasons to rent a Toyota at Tuscaloosa Toyota. You can rent the... Rain could be heavy
0: tonight. Look for a little thunder, and overnight low of 59. Rain and storms in the morning, showers in the afternoon tomorrow. Rainfall could be heavy with a high of 66. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: Andrew am standing in line the clubs on get like the bottom of the ninth, and I'm never going to win this. Life hasn't turned out quite the way I want it to be. Hey, let's get you a couple of bowl updates. Uh, Maryland is leading North Carolina State 13-9, and they got about three minutes remaining in the third quarter. And uh, this one's just through one quarter. The Bruins are leading the Panthers by a score of 7-6. to I read an article, and I want to uh, make sure I give this guy credit it's uh, Nick Kelly, who writes for the Tuscaloosa News article this morning about the portal. And the fact that Nick Saban said, I, I don't care if you're in the portal. You want to come practice? You want to play? We'll, we'll, we'll do that. Which I, I think that's kind of big of him. Um, but my point is, Christian, there are a lot of offensive linemen and a lot of wide receivers. That's where the majority of these players uh, – their positions are entering the portal. This It was uh, indicated by one of the offensive linemen that the fact that they now have a smaller group, that they're going to be more closely knit, and and these guys that are leaving may actually strengthen. The, do you understand what I mean? Did I phrase the question right, and, and do you think that's a possibility?
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that being a possibility. I mean, when you have less guys to work with, um, that means they get more attention from their coach. They get their, their coach can focus specifically on those guys individually and work with them more intensely um, from a hands-on standpoint. So I could see that aspect um, providing some some uh, benefit there. Um, you know, y- you will miss some of that depth at least in this game. You know, you're 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 recouping in the long term. You know, with the recruits coming in, but uh, might miss some depth. But yeah, I c- I could see that. You know, making you a little closer. Uh, knit and, and and allowing y'all to to really you know dig in on the on the details and and have more time for each guy. I mean you got to think you know you got one position coach right he might have a GA or an assistant working with them. However, if you got 12 offensive linemen, you're breaking down tape from practice and you're trying to you know you, you only have a, a certain amount of time. Say you're in a position meeting for 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, he's not going to be able to really break down each guy. You have five offensive linemen. You know he can't individually break down each. Of the five guys, um, he can, but he's going to have to to do it quickly, you know, Uh, versus so I don't know how many they have, but we'll just say say there's eight right now. You know, you got eight guys. um, There's less guys that you're you're, you're viewing on tape. So you have more time to work with each guy and really break down, you know, um, some corrections on film. So I I definitely could see that um, being a benefit.
3: Okay, guys, let's go around the table, and I'll start. Then Matt, then Christian, and go over the three games that we've been talking about the most. And let's start with uh, uh, Alabama, Kansas State. Uh, you know, something about this spread is a little strange. It, it's it's now at it, it's, it's minus six and a half. Alabama's a six and a half point favorite. But to me, I think this is one of those games because Kansas State has never faced Alabama that the Alabama factor comes into play. And by that, Christian, I, I, I've been on the field so many times, uh, obviously not as many as you, but uh, when Alabama walks out of the tunnel uh, for basically pregame warmups, and then the other team sees Alabama for the first time, and there is a "oh my god" look in their eyes, and you can tell like is, this is ball game. This thing's over. Uh, I think Alabama is going to play really well. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Bryce Young and Will Anderson bingo came back and are playing in this game. And I, I think Alabama wins comfortably by at least two touchdowns.
4: I, I agree. I, I think they come out and uh, Alabama's going to punch K State in the mouth. And unless Alabama gets turnover pro, I think they're also going to force some too. Um, I'm thinking I've got my feet up on the ottoman uh, halfway through the third quarter. Christian,
5: you know I I, I think I'm leaning that way as well. Um, I just also do take into consideration. You know how these bowl games tend to go. Um, you, you, you're seeing things that you haven't seen before. Getting getting a few surprises there. They're pulling some you know, some tricks out of the bag. So I wouldn't be surprised if. You know, I think we'll beat them by around two touchdowns, but I can see the score being like 34, 38. No, excuse me, 34, 38 Alabama scores, and then you know maybe 20 points scored by uh, Kansas State. So maybe like 34, 20, 38, 20, something like that.
3: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Okay, Uh, national semifinal number one, TCU against Michigan. TCU uh, is a a 7.5-point underdog. Um, I think Michigan is going to win this game because of their superior offensive line and defensive line. They have a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes. They're going to be able to run the ball. I think they are going to be able to relatively shut down uh, TCU's excellent quarterback. Um, but I do think this might be closer than people anticipate. Uh, if I were to bet this game, I might be tempted to take TCU, but uh, I, I do think Michigan ultimately prevails in a, in, a, in a closer game than a lot of people think.
4: Michigan started throwing the ball deep on Ohio State. That spells doom for TCU because uh, they now are legitimately a, a, a dual threat offensively. But when it comes down to it, Christian, it's all about physicality with me. And a TCU's a tough, like a pine nut kind of group of guys, but I got Michigan by 10.
5: I'm right there with you, Matt. I was going to say Michigan by about 10. I just think the physicality of that group, um, offensively and defensively, and uh, not to mention, you know, they really do a nice job running the football. You know, TCU is known to, you know, work with three-man fronts and, and all that kind of funky stuff on defense. So I think Michigan is going to do a nice job running the football, and I think they, they win comfortably.
3: And the final game on uh, New Year's Eve, Ohio State against Michigan, the one seed against the four seed, uh, uh, Ohio State versus Georgia. Gosh, Uh, Ohio State versus Georgia, and uh, Georgia's a six-point favorite. This is my upset. I I think Ohio State's going to win this game. Uh, I think uh, the best player on the field is going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. And uh, I think Ohio State's going to win this one in a close one. And uh, I think we're going to have a rematch of uh, Ohio State and Michigan in the national championship game. I think uh, Georgia, 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 Georgia.
4: I think sometimes I try and get a little bit too creative and think about ways Stetson Bennett, Kirby Smart, Anderson's playing defense defense and I think they don't win handily I think this is going to be the maybe the best game of all of them
5: you said about defense and I think that's the the key to this for George to affect C.J. Stroud we've seen in the season uh that when C.J. Stroud is affected that the whole team struggles so I think you know if Georgia's defense does what they did in the season they get the win.
4: Bushwhackers on the house happy new year happy new year everybody stay safe is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. John, what are you doing? Get in my car. So why are you walking to work? (sighs) Thanks, man. It's these insanely high gas prices. They're draining my bank account.